Hey everyone, welcome to the Where Do We Begin podcast. My name is Sergey Oglewski. I'm the guest on this episode. Uh, I'm a pistol shooter representing Australia at the Olympics this year. Um, enjoy the podcast. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a good episode. Thanks for that, Sergey, mate. My name is Harper, and my co-host on this fine, fine evening goes by the name of Lockie. How are you, Lockie? I'm absolutely outstanding, Harper. The weather's beautiful. I'm beautiful. You're beautiful. Everything's beautiful. How are you? You know who else is beautiful? Our listeners and, of course, the guest that we had on the show, the great man, Sergei Yevglevsky. He was just awesome. Do you want to tell us a bit about him? Oh, mate, he's the, uh, the son of shooting royalty. Uh, he's one of the best medal chances at the upcoming games. You've heard it here first. He's an absolute master of his craft. And I can't wait for the listeners to find a little bit more about the sport of shooting because it's actually super, super interesting and super exciting. Yeah, it is really, really interesting. I learned a lot and I, it was a lot of fun, to be honest. But I reckon we should just get into it, get straight into the action. But just quickly, thanks to the magic of technology, my audio for the first six minutes or so sounds like it's from 1948 or something. But after that, it's all good, all crystal clear. I hope you enjoy, guys. Let's dive in. Lockie, I've got to say, mate, I reckon we should start doing some live shows from Kubapedi. We're uncovering that many hidden gems in this Olympic series because, honestly, before even getting into this chat, this guy is someone that I feel like could be right up there challenging the world's best 25-metre rapid-fire pistol shooters in Tokyo. And, honestly, I hope you guys enjoy this much enjoy this as much as I know I'm going to. So, Sergei Yvglesky, welcome to Where Do We Begin, Matt. Thanks, boys. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on, and I apologise for the amount of puns that our harps just use. Look, we promise our listeners it won't happen again during the episode. I don't know what podcasting uh, school that Harper learned from, but uh, he's he, he loves to do it. And it. But it's just an absolute pleasure to have you yeah, on. What have you? Very been good, up mate. To? Very good. I love puns. To be honest, those ones went right over my head. I actually didn't hear them, but um, no, very good. I love me a good pun. So well done. Unreal, mate. Thank Unreal. you, mate. Thank you, mate. <laughs> I guess I guess our first question always is um because we've been lucky enough to have so many unique different sports and you're actually the second shooter on the show as you know you've listened to our previous episode um but can you explain a little bit about your sport to the listeners? Yeah, so I uh, I do pistol shooting, um so it's one of the three disciplines in shooting. So yeah, I do pistol shooting and one of the events I do is 25 meter rapid fire. So that's what I qualified qualified for in the Olympics and that's what I'll be uh, heading over to Tokyo for. Yeah, sweet. So um. Russell Mark, the guy on that other episode, I think it was maybe episode 20, if people want to check it out, it's a good one. He's a double trap shooter, but you being a pistol shooter, obviously. So there's, I think there are about three types of pistol shooting uh, in the Olympics or just in big events, really. So you've got uh, pistol, uh, standard pistol and your rapid fire pistol. So can you explain to us a bit the difference between those three, can you call them disciplines? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, well, the main difference actually now, uh, standard pistol used to be part of the Olympics, but not anymore. So they've oh. changed it. They've updated it. They took it took it out a couple of cycles ago, but now it's um ten meter air pistol and then twenty five meter rapid fire for the men's. Okay, could you elaborate a little bit more? Apart from like the distance, what is sort of the um the difference in between those two different events? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So ten meter air pistol is done over ten meters, and um it's with the air pistol. So basically, air pushes out the pellet, and you shoot ten meters away. So it's no not a high caliber kind of uh, shooting. But with my event, it's uh, over 25 meters and it's over five targets. So you have to do five shots in a certain time uh, allocation. So over five targets as well. So basically, it's two halves, um, 30 shots the first half, 30 shots in the second half. You do 10, 10, 10. So 10 shots in eight seconds, 10 shots in six seconds, 10 shots in four seconds. So basically, but you, do it, uh, you do it twice in each time allocation. So you go five shots in eight seconds. And then do it again, five shots in eight seconds. And then you do that in six seconds. So five shots, six seconds. Then again, five shots, six seconds. And then five shots in four seconds, five shots in four seconds. Yeah, cool, so cool. Are you shooting at a target or is something that's flying through the air like double trap or what's the go with it? Yeah, no, you're not, sh- not shooting anything flying. You're shooting at a target that's 25 meters away. Yeah. But the targets are next to each other. So it's like one target, two target, three target, four target, five target. Um, so they're all next to each other and they're all like 10 ring, nine ring, eight ring, so on and so on. And they get bigger and bigger. Basically the aim of the game is to aim in the middle, shoot as many tens as you can. 
perfect score would be 600 because that's 60 tens in a row. Um, but the average, the world record is uh, 593, for example, which basically means that the person got seven nines and the rest were tens. Yeah, awesome, awesome. And something I'm really interested about is um, obviously like for people that play footy, you know, you train like in terms of doing like running and training. Um, I don't know, for the podcast, Harper was practicing off air with your coaching, the <laughs> correct pronunciation of your name and you did quite a good job. But for shooting, like how do you train for the sport? Um, basically, it's like a lot of discipline really. So uh, with pistol shooting, it's very different to, for example, what Russell Mark said with shotgun. It's um, a lot of repetition bit of uh, strength training, bit of a mental training. And it's just, yeah, it's just repetition. Like it's basically like when you're kicking a footy, it's like doing that lead up to kick the footy, but you're just doing that over and over. Same here. You just lift up the gun to the target, carry over to the next target and just do that over and over. And then you can break it down as well to like the first shot or your body carrying over. That's a bit more technical. Yeah, so is it quite mentally draining then, I guess, having to concentrate for so long and that to go down to that, those exact specifics? Yeah, definitely, definitely. So it's not your body isn't exerting a lot of energy, but your mind is. So like you're, it's very mentally draining. Like after a three-hour training session, I'm, I'm cooked. Like I just want to have a nap afterwards. <laughs> yeah, fair enough, as we all would. I reckon maybe me after half an hour of doing that kind of thing. But uh, is there anything that you can do in training that, doesn't involve involve a pistol or like, is there anything like uh, I guess use the gym much if you're uh, a professional shooter or an Olympian shooter? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because um, cause shooting is one of those sports where it's, I'd say, my parents always say it's like 80% mentality. And I guess one of those things like when you're fitter and you feel good about yourself, then you shoot better, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you go to the gym, you work out and stuff, you feel good, your endorphins are up. That's when you'd be shooting good as well. So, but then you could also do like a lot of strength training, like with rubber bands and um, like chest press, stuff like that, like to really build up the strength in your upper body. So, yeah, yeah that's really interesting. Is there also sort of ways that you can practice like your coordination and stuff? Because I can imagine that could be quite important. Yeah. So, a shooter that, um, I actually remember Russell Mark saying this, a shooter that's coordinated, but definitely like a lot of benefits out of that. At the same time though, in pistol shooting, I've met a lot of shooters that aren't coordinated at all, but they're still quite good shooters anyway. <laughs> yeah, so moving off from the training methods uh, a bit, uh, this your kind of early life there, your early shooting life and your early life as a whole, it's really interesting to me. So Belarusian parents born in Belarus and moved to Melbourne when you were, what was it, about one year old? Uh, I was nine months old. Nine months old, okay. Yeah, yeah so obviously you wouldn't remember too much and you wouldn't remember anything from uh, your initial time in Belarus but have you been there back uh, since then a couple times maybe and it's a country that really most Australians would have no idea about probably couldn't even name where it is what continent it's on so what, what, what's Belarus like I, as a country I can confirm I grabbed the, uh, grabbed the atlas out when I heard where you were from <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, yeah so it's a country in between Poland and Russia so it's very small, um, not very big at all. It's probably like just a big in Tassie. Um, okay. Yeah, pretty small, but um, beautiful country though. Like it's the distance from like Moscow, the capital of Russia, to Minsk, which is the capital of Belarus, is like pretty similar distance from like Melbourne to Sydney. So everyone just catches trains in Europe. So it's, um, yeah, just a beautiful country, amazing atmosphere, amazing people. Um, just that like, I don't know if you guys know, like that really Eastern European kind of look you know, in the cities and stuff. Just a very beautiful country. Yeah, all right. Well, I'll definitely be adding that one to the bucket list. And I think you brushed over it a bit before, but I think your mum is a bit of a great of the sport. She's been (laughs) a six six or so Olympics. Do you want to talk a little bit about her and what she achieved in the sport? Yeah, yeah. She, um, yeah, she's a Hall of Famer, really. Well, she actually, she should have been to more Olympics. She should have gone to the 92 Olympics, but she was pregnant with my sister at the time. So she actually couldn't go to that one. Um. But then, yeah, she went to 96, 2004, 08, uh, 12, and 16. And, um, yeah, she was just, like, she was a great person in the sport. Like, she was um, a legend, really, like, so committed and uh, just, yeah, kind of describe, like, no words can describe how good she was in the sport. You know, multiple World Cups, uh, Olympic bronze medal, really in the sport, like, she dominated. Unfortunately, wasn't amazing at Olympics, but Commonwealth Games and in the sport and stuff, she killed it. Yeah, how come she decided to represent Australia in, um, from 2004 onwards, was it? 
Um, no, a bit early actually because she early. went to 2002 Com Games in Manchester. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I think because we moved to Australia, Dad got after the contract ended after 2000 Games. Um, life in Australia was just a bit better, you know. So because in Europe, in the 90s and stuff, it wasn't amazing. Yeah. Um, so I moved to Australia, had a lot of money here, like a lot more opportunity. And my dad's like, well, you know, I need to find work. He got offered a job working for Beretta, which was a it was starting out. It was a company that specialised in shotguns and stuff, but they were just starting out. And they said, "Look, we need a gunsmith. Let's, if you want, move to Melbourne." And Dad said, "Yeah, for sure." And then Mum's like, "Well, I'm not going to go back and forth, you know, representing Belarus and coming back here and stuff. We either all move down to Australia or none of us move." <laughs> so then, um, obviously, everyone moved down to Australia, and yeah, she started. The Australian government and um, sport really wanted her to represent Australia, so they sped up her citizenship by like a long time. And um, almost like within a couple of months, you got a citizenship straight away and then, yeah, represented Australia 2001 onwards. So it's as simple as that, really? So once you get your Australian citizenship, you're free to represent Australia in the Olympics? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's probably a little bit more technical things than shooting. Like, you know, you've got to yeah. get your guns here, got to join a club, everything like that. But basically, yeah, once you're a citizen, you can represent that country. Yeah, so what, what language do you grow up speaking in the Yuvglevsky household? Is it a bit of Russian, a bit of English, a bit of both? Um, so it's mainly Russian. Like if it's me and my mum, my dad and my sister, we all speak Russian at home. Um, if it's me and my sister, we speak English. And uh, yeah, so yeah, it's mainly Russian at home. Don't even speak English at home. It's a bit weird speaking English at home, in all honesty. <laughs> so geez, they're, they're probably thinking, what What are you doing speaking English right now in your bedroom? <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Mum's probably walking past like, what the hell was going on in there? <laughs> but it's pretty amazing, though. So this will be the seventh conse- consecutive Olympics with a member of your immediate family at the Games. It's pretty phenomenal. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I actually never thought of it like that, but yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So d- did your mum speak English when she first came over to Australia? I know she came here for the 2000 Olympics and then obviously started representing uh, the Aussies at, uh, in Manchester for the Comp Games, but did she speak English when she came over here? Yeah, yeah. So we moved over in, oh, what was it, 98? Um, that was just to live here, I guess, like part time to after Olympics, and mum trained here. But yeah, yeah, definitely. Like she learned the language. You know, she went to English school, like for adults and stuff. Um, learned the language, and yeah, you know, got accustomed to it, and yeah, learned English stuff. And it was hard at the time because I think when you're older, it's uh, harder to learn a second language. But yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then I guess how, the follow up question that is just how how did you get get into the sport? Because obviously, while you shooting was prominent. Uh, within your family, it is still quite a unique sport. So I guess what sort of got you started in it? Uh, yeah, so basically it was just through family. Like um, my parents could tell from when I was younger that I wanted to do it. Like my older sister didn't show as much interest as I did. Uh, when I was like four or five, six, I would just run up after mum, run up on the podium, you know, whenever she won, got second, third, whatever it was. I always just run after her, get up on the podium with her. And then um, I was always interested. I always loved going to shooting range when I was younger. Um, I always chatted everyone there and yeah, they just knew that from a young age, I was really interested. And then when I was 13, that's when you can get your junior gun license in Australia. Um, my parents were like, look, do you want to start shooting? Maybe just start off with a bit of fun. And I said, yeah, for sure. Let's do it. Um, yeah. They started going about once a week to the range, just get used to the gun and stuff to get, you know, get a bit of training in and stuff. And then um, after about a year, my parents asked me, cause I was playing soccer at the time as well. And I definitely wasn't going place for soccer. I wasn't that good. I was, <laughs> I was playing like B's and C's at the time. Sounds like um, and I. <laughs> Spot on. Um, my parents are like, look, do you want to take shooting a bit more seriously? Like, you know, your mum's gone to a few places. And I'm just like, yeah, of course. Like, I think I definitely want to. And then um, that once a week turned into like four to five times a week after school and stuff on the range, going to the old school European technical method of training and then um yeah just kind of picked up from there yeah now sergey could be the perfect third co-host if we ever want one he's been to podcasting school he was a bit of a low level soccer player in his uh, youth <laughs> but maybe being an elite uh, shooter probably uh that's a bit of a doesn't really tick the box of being a pretty average uh, sports person but something i'm interested in do you reckon uh, in a few years' time, however long it is, if you've got some little mini Sergeys running around, your kids, do you reckon <laughs> they'll, they'll be into shooting? Uh, you're going to try to get them into that or just see, totally see what they're interested in? Yeah, uh, I definitely don't want to force it on them. Um, 
my parents, they understood that because shooting is a sport that requires a lot of discipline and a lot of dedication. So as soon as I said I was keen to do it, they were like really pushing with training and stuff, which I really appreciate. At the time, I was just like, no, nah, I don't want to train. I don't want to train. I can't be bothered. I can't be bothered. But um, now I really appreciate how much they pushed me with it. But if my kids, if they want to shoot, they can. If they want to start off with a bit of fun, because I think what pushed me with shooting, it's the social aspect of it. Like I've got best mates in WA. I've got best mates in Queensland. I've got best mates in ACT. Like, you know, it's the social culture of it. It's just a, it's a beautiful sport in Australia. And um, I think that's what really keeps me going with it. Yeah, that's awesome. So obviously, so there's a real, because even though it's a smaller sport compared to like you said, like you played soccer before, but there's a real community vibe to it. Yeah, definitely. Like you go to your local um, gun range or club, they're always at, in the club room, like playing cards, you know, having a tea, having a coffee, whatever. And then they go all shoot together and they come back and chat. They be at the range all day and just, it's a really tight knit kind of community. It's really good. Mm, and you're a bit of a, I think it's definitely reasonable to say that you're a bit of a young gun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, I, said, I said no uh, more puns, mate. I said no more puns. That's it, Hans. That's your, that's your one. That's your one. <laughs> <laughs> came up with that on the spot. I'm very proud of myself for that. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, like absolute child prodigy uh, in shooting. So what, what's that like going to Junior World Cups, uh, winning medals there, I believe, and winning, winning all these junior titles in Australia? I can see your medals in the background that you've <laughs> proudly shown us. So uh, what's it like just being the absolute, well, not, maybe not the absolute best, but one of the best in the world and especially in the country in your youth? I know, um, I know. Seeing those medals in the background, like, you'd get a sore neck if you had them all on. I don't reckon it'd be possible. There's so many up there. <laughs> um, well, thanks for that, boys. I uh, put my camera down on purpose just so I can be a bit of a flex. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, that was a, that's a really good question. Um, it was, in all honesty, though, like when I first started, I was my dad was driving me to the airport for my first Junior World Cup in Germany. And the, one of the first things he said to me is like, people are going to know who you are like without even like seeing you shoot because of your mom, because of me. My parents were friends with everyone internationally. They were friends with the, the Latvian team, the Bulgarian team, like, you know, the French team. They were friends with everyone. And they all knew I started shooting as well and I was getting the results in Australia. So, dad was saying like, as soon as you get there, just block that noise out. You know, you're going to have a lot of coaches come up to you and say, I hope you shoot as good as your mum. You know, I hope you're as good as your family and on like a young 15, 16 year old, that, that is a bit of pressure for sure. So dad warned me and I wasn't expecting it at the time. And, um, and as soon as I got there, like the Ukrainian coach comes up to me, Oh, I know your father so well. Good luck. You know, I hope you shoot as well as your mom. I hope you shoot better than your mom. Uh, same with the, like the Georgian coach, the Latvian coach, the Russian coach, they all come up to me and they all introduce themselves. They knew me from when I was like a, a little kid and, um, Jumping up on the podium. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. Uh, so it did put a bit of pressure on me. Um, but in saying that, though, like I knew, I knew shooting was in my blood, and I knew, um, I knew what I needed to do. So yeah, first junior World Cup brought back a bronze medal in rapid fire as well, and that was surreal. That was insane because I went over there not expecting anything. Just you know, just shoot the score, shoot what you need to do, go home pick up some things in duty free and go home. You know, that's all I needed to do. But um, yeah, so yeah, it was it was good. It was uh, it was really good being a junior and going through all those junior World Cups and stuff because it's gotten me mentally prepared uh, as a senior. Yeah, I can imagine. I, you touched on it before, like the pressure it is. Because like, obviously, like you said, like your family's so renowned throughout the shooting world. And like you said, you dealt with that pressure. But I want to de- delve a de- bit deeper, I guess. What sort of strategies did you implement to sort of deal with that extra pressure that you felt? Yeah, that's a good question as well. I think just, it's one of those things, like I think it's like dealing with nerves. You just, you know it's there, you know you're nervous, but get on with it kind of thing. You know, like you yeah. just... Just go ahead, like don't let it bother you too much because what's that going to do? Like it's not going to do anything. It's still going to be there. So like while you're warming up for a final or anything like that, like you know you need to perform. So just just go ahead. I like, just do it. You know what I mean? Like just, just put on a Nike t-shirt and just do it. You know? <laughs> Is that your sponsor? <laughs> oh man, I wish. Nike, <laughs> Nike, if you're listening out there, let me know if you need help. 
<laughs> yeah, big shout out to those Nike execs. So yeah, get on Sergey. We can put his email on the uh, podcast notes. But um, in like in uh, competitions, especially at that junior age, being the son of this champion and uh, your dad being a big figure in the shooting world as well, do you feel like the uh, your competitors are really like out to get you because you are the son of a couple of legends? Um. When I first started, I didn't really have those thoughts. But then later on, I kind of wanted to develop my own name. Like, I didn't want to be Sergey, the son of the leader. Like, I wanted to be like Sergey, who's a good shooter, as well as the son of the leader. You know, so I kind of wanted them to be like threatened or like whatever you said before, like of me, not of my family, if that makes sense. Yeah, I get it. And I'd definitely be threatened if somebody had a had a in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> I, knew, I knew that's what you were leading to. I knew that. I knew that's what you were going to say. Uh, but um, yeah, but you must take so much confidence. So like heading into the senior, like this is your first like Olympics, but you've won a stack of medals at junior tiles. I guess how much confidence does that actually um, give you heading into the games? Um, it's one of those things though, like shooting, you do it, you, you do it on the day. Um you're confident on the day and then you gotta you gotta move on from it. If you dwell on the fact that you shot this two years ago, you shot this, that's just gotta be in the back of your head the whole time and it's not great mentally. You know, so you've got to move on from it. Um but in saying that, I know I've performed well at international competitions. I know I've done this, I know I've done that. So I know I can do it again, kind of thing. Yeah, it's um, right. it's difficult because every person's different. Everyone has different approaches to shooting because it's such a mentally draining sport. You know, it's all mental. Everyone does it differently. So um, yeah, like it's you've got to be confident within yourself, confident and um, Nike execs, if you're listening, just do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're spot on there. But um. 2018 comp games, you won a silver medal, but uh, Lockie will touch on that a bit later, I'm sure. But the guy you lost out to was a 15-year-old young lad called Anish Banwala, who broke a you know, comp games final record in that event at the age of 15. So, like, we, the focus is on you in this episode, of course, but that this kid sounds like an absolute freak uh, in the shooting world. Can you tell us a bit about him? Yeah, thanks for uh, bringing up the 15-year-old. I really appreciate that, Harper. Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> doesn't bring, bring me nightmares <laughs> or anything like that. <laughs> no, no, no. He broke, um, he broke a record, mate. Yeah, it's no. Like, he's yeah. Honestly, like he's one of the sweetest kids ever. Like He is such a nice guy. Um, every time I see him, he comes over, shakes my hand, like, Sergey, how are you? What's going on? Um, he's such a lovely guy to talk to. Uh, and... I got nothing but respect for him. He is such a good kid. Um, he's grown up a lot now, actually, as well. And yeah, to do what he did at the time for a fifteen-year-old um, in a country like India as well, because shooting's, from what I've heard, shooting's like their second biggest viewed sport behind cricket. Ever since wow, uh, ever since a really? rifle shooter won it in like two thousand eight. Yeah, you can correct me if I'm wrong. If you do some research, um, <laughs> but that's what I heard. Like when I was there, when I was there for a World Cup in. 2019, I think it was. I felt like Brad Pitt. Like, I had these little Indian kids come up to me, like, Sergey, Sergey, like, can I get a photo and stuff? Because they knew who I was yeah. um, from the Commonwealth Games. And um, yeah, it was insane. Like, shooting is just huge over there. And Anish is like a celebrity. Like, oh, if if I was Brad Pitt, he was DiCaprio. You know, yeah, like, geez, geez. Oh, um, that, you look a bit like Brad Pitt, so I see it. Oh, mate. <laughs> mate. Oh, I try. I try. <laughs> but yeah, apart, um, apart from uh, co- copying it for our research harps, um, <laughs> I guess you touched on that tw- 2018, 2018 Com Games, you know, winning silver. That's just, that's phenomenal. Like, what were your expectations leading in? Did you think you were a great medal chance or were you just sort of happy to be there? Like, how confident were you? Uh, it was tough because it was my first competition where people that I wouldn't know would be there. Like there would actually be like a huge arena fans, you know, like Australia goes berserk with their own athletes, you know? So like when I got there, seeing how big like the finals hall was and seeing how big the stand was, I was like, Oh, like this is huge. So I had that in the back of my mind, but I only realized that when I got there, plus my family went there, my partner went there, my best mate went, um, I got a bunch of friends went as well and it was just surreal. So leading into it, like that's 
all I had in my head, like how big this competition was going to be. And when I got there, I only realized like, crap, this is 30 times bigger than what I thought. Um, but yeah, doing Commonwealth Games, like shooting there, winning a silver medal, it was just unreal because it gave me much more confidence for competitions, Senior World Cups, Olympics after that. To know like I've I've dealt with competitions where there's um, hundreds and thousands of fans. I've dealt with that. I've fought. I've tried. I've done everything I could. So it's given me a lot more confidence in the future. And going from this young kid, like parading your mum's uh, Olympic bronze medal at the show and tells to winning <laughs> a, a silver medal at the Com Games, is feels like obviously there's a whole lot more to come from you. But you're approaching full circle, you know, and you've near like, is that one of your proudest achievements that you've uh, reached uh, so far in your career? Yeah, 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 definitely. Because I went into it just not expecting anything. Like I. I did well at the selections. I did really well at the selections and I just went into it like, you know what, man, like it's your first major competition. Just, just go in there and do it kind of thing. And um, yeah, the fact that I was able to shoot a good score, uh, try my hardest in the final, have my friends just yelling, losing their voices, having my best mate, like start crying when I got silver, like, you know, getting the medal and stuff. It was just, oh mate, it was just like, gets me emotional like it's, it was such an amazing feeling yeah mate absolutely unreal and i guess heading into that like heading into the 2020 games um you obviously were in pretty good form you know you won all four of your olympic trials so that obviously you know you're really starting to hit your peak peak and then unfortunately the olympics were obviously postponed i guess for you the olympics being postponed was that a good or bad thing because we've spoken to a couple of different athletes you know some people obviously uh, they found it hard because they obviously were ready to compete in 2020 but others actually liked that it gave them a bit more time to work on their game yeah um it was uh, yeah it was very double-sided so um at first i was just so frustrated that i couldn't go kind of thing like it was I was so desperate to go and compete at my first Olympics and Tokyo, you know, it's like Japan's an amazing country. Um, I was just, I just really wanted to go and do it because that's what I was working for for so long. Um, and then afterwards I realized like, you know, I still had a bit more training. I still had a bit more growing up to do. And I felt like I've grown up so much in the last year in my sport compared to like the last, you know, 20 years shooting or not 20 years sorry like um <laughs> years, yeah. i've only been living for 20 years i've been shooting since i was one <laughs> um but yeah like i i it sucks we couldn't go last year because i actually had like a bit of a life plan as well i was going to finish my uni after olympics i was going to try and get a full-time job in 2021 you know but at the same time my training and how i'm competing now is 30 times better than how I was competing this time last year. And that's just something that you worked on during lockdown and you bettered yourself during that kind of spell on the sidelines? Yeah, yeah. So, like, as soon as lockdown hit, um, we were training from home and obviously you can't be shooting, you know, birds 25 metres away. You can't be doing that. <laughs> um, so, no, yeah, definitely can't do that. So, what I was doing, I was... Um, <laughs> I just had my coach on a phone behind me on Skype and I was just lifting up my arm and doing the motion of what, like what, what, how I would shoot. And he would just look at me behind me for like an hour, hour and a half, two hours at a time and just watch me. So it was mentally quite difficult because when you take away the actual, like the shooting part of shooting, when you take away like the recoil and like, you know, you put it on the earmuffs, like the actual enjoyment out of it, it's actually quite hard to do it. It's like kicking a footy without the actual footy. <laughs> like how boring would that be? It would yeah, suck. Geez, yeah. that, that's so really ima- tough. Yeah. So imagine like trying to do that, you know, an hour at a time every day kind of thing. You know, it was very hard. Uh, but it made me grow up more in shooting. It made me mature and um, made me kind of understand it. As well better. as like maybe appreciate it as well. Like Yeah. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. So that awesome kind of uh, blossoming of your mentality in the last year that you've had. What's that done for your goals um, heading into this Olympic Games? Is it uh, are your goals heightened compared to what they were going to be if they were happening last year? And what are your goals? Um, 
Look, nothing, nothing like you know, bringing home a medal. Nothing like that. Uh, it's my first Olympics, so I'm going in there, and if I don't perform the best I could on that day, then that's what would be kind of like a like I wouldn't I wouldn't have achieved for myself kind of thing. So if I get in there and get dead last, but I did the best I could on that day, then I'll be happy kind of thing. But in saying that, I know the best I could, the best I can do on my day, the best I can do mentally, physically, and stuff. It's it's a potential for like, you know a final, whatever it is. So I got to just get in there, do what I know I can do, push through it, um, and then yeah, just whatever comes, whatever comes. Mate, and that's what you said about the Commonwealth Games, and we all know how that ended with a silver medal. So we're not touch wood, but we we can't wait to see you shoot and hopefully bring home a medal for Australia, which will be absolutely yeah. unreal. And do you sort of know, like, do you know what the stadium or what the setup's going to be like at Japan? Are the conditions sort of like, I know in other sports, like the conditions can sort of vary, but is the fact that it's in Japan, you can sort of replicate those um, conditions quite easily in Australia? Um. Look, it's hard to replicate it, but we have been doing a lot of training in Brisbane because we've been told that Japan and um, Tokyo and the range as well would be very humid. So we had a massive training camp in January, um, you know, peak hotness in Brisbane um, to get the humidity up, you know, get really get used to it, um, to kind of understand what it's like shooting when you're sweating, you know, um, everything like that. Yeah. Uh, so... It's yeah, so we go to Brisbane a lot. We go to Brisbane every like month, I'd say, and just train there, train hard, and really just train under the sun kind of thing. Did that make it a lot harder, like when it was quite humid in Brisbane? Or did you notice a difference? Um, not really, because I think with Rapid Fire, it's very quick. You know, it's in the name, like Rapid. You know, it's, it's very <laughs> quick, it's easy. Like, uh, you're only shooting for like a solid three or four minutes or something. Like you're not shooting for a long time, but you're standing there on the line for, I'd say about 15, 20 minutes. Like other events like rifle three position, for example, they wear like this big, big body suit and they're standing there for like an hour and a half, two hours at a time in, you know, 40 degree days, you know, 80% humidity. And they're just sweating. Like I had a mate who lost like, I think like, like in from like, he weighed himself in the morning to after his three position match and he lost like eight kilos or something. It was huge. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's like being in a sauna in like a big, like big metal suit kind of thing. You know, they just sweat so much. It's ridiculous. So we've, we've got it easy. You know, like I'm shooting there, bang, 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 done. See you later. Let's go get KFC for lunch. (laughs) Zinger box. (laughs) Zinger box. Exactly right. Mate, I'll tell you what, mate, don't don't worry about fitness boot camps. Just tell them to get give shooting a go and the rifles and wear those heavy packs and that'll <laughs> that'll sort you out. Bloody hell. <laughs> exactly right. I've actually been so curious. I've always wanted to put on a suit and just see what it's like. They lose so much weight from it. But it's like the same as like Formula One drivers. Apparently they lose like a yeah. crap ton of weight during their races. Really? Yeah, that's what I've heard. Like I've heard they lose like a, a lot of weight. Oh jeez, I didn't know mm. that. That's really interesting. I, I, Makes sense when you think about it, I guess. But you spoke about plans post-Olympics if they were going to happen last year, just before. But what are you looking to do after these Olympics? I'd say you'd be sticking around in the shooting world. You're not going away anytime soon. But full-time job, uni, what's the plan for Sergey? Uh, yeah, it's um, it's a toughie because with uh, obviously with the pandemic still sticking around, um, kind of messed up my plans a bit. Originally, my plans were 2020 Tokyo Olympics, after that, have a bit of time off, finish off. I only had like three uh, three units left at the time. So I was going to complete my three units and hopefully try to get a full-time job in uh, marketing. That was uh, where I was did my degree and that's what I'm kind of passionate about. Um, but I finished my degree last year because I didn't want to wait. You know, I didn't want to have it sitting. I didn't want my hex building up, you know. So I uh, smashed it out. Um, and then now, yeah, so now I'm just working casually part-time at uh, Westfield, you know, uh, shout out to Westfield Foundgate. If anyone wants to go there, get, get, get a gift card. <laughs> um, Jeez, imagine that. They might be served by the uh, the gold medalist. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. man, what a thrill. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, working at Westfield, working casually, and then after Olympics, probably, yeah, try to get my life a bit more on track and try to get a part-time, full-time work as well as do shooting because, yeah, not going to give up the sport for a while. It's one of those sports that, you know, the world champion can be like 48 years old. Like it's a, it's a sport that if you're mentally pretty stable, mentally pretty like healthy kind of thing, 
then you can last long with it. Yeah, and as we, I think, mentioned earlier, so uh, you have done a podcasting degree. So if you start up a rival <laughs> podcast, I hope you don't take us into the ground, mate, because I'm sure you'll be awesome at it because you've absolutely smashed it today. <laughs> nah, boys, never, I would never do that to you guys. You guys, you guys are my first podcast, or the first podcast I've been on. We'll never do that to you, boys. Thanks. That, that means the world. Yeah, true, it does. But uh, the, the last question before we get to our final segment, uh, we, we always get some interesting out of, answers out of this. So have you got a bit of a life philosophy or a mantra or a quote that you live by uh, and kind of let guide your decisions in your life, Sergey? We, uh, ha- we know that you go with the Nike quote, just do it, but apart from that... <laughs> Well, that's actually what I wanted to say. Like, I think it's literally just do it, but there's a bit more, bit more leaves on that branch, if that makes sense. So it's just, yeah. it's not just like, just do it. It's, you know, you've got to give your a hundred percent to everything you do. Like my dad used to grind me when I was younger um, about untying my shoelaces or like putting my shoes back in the right spot or putting the hat back, you know, putting your keys back in the right spot because his philosophy was, um, if you do every little task like that, you're going to accomplish a lot more things. Like those little tasks turn into big tasks. And then those big tasks, you know, turn into like promotions at work or whatever it is. You know what I mean? So like if you can finish off little tasks, like untying your shoes instead of just ripping them off your feet, then you can do anything kind of thing. Does that make sense or not really? I completely get you. And then I've got to follow up to that. So it's like making your bed in the morning. Are you a person that makes their bed? Because it sort of goes down to that. I 100% make my bed. I know. Seems like the kind of guy. (laughs) If if my partner listens to this, um, she'll disagree because she thinks I do a poor effort of it. But (laughs) I I never leave it, you know, open. I put it over the pillows, tuck the corners in. We're all good. Now, before we uh, get into some fully fledged bed making intricacies, which I'm sure we will off air after the show, uh, we'd like to uh, have a final little segment on this show, and it is called the Where Do We Begin quiz. And I will hit the music. Oh, it's not turned up. Everything's going wrong. I'll hit the music again. Well, gets Beautiful. those shivers going Beautiful down. Just fire. Gives you goose gives you goosebumps, doesn't it, boys? Uh, I just, just want to run through a brick wall. I just want to run through a brick wall. I'm right, that was beautiful. I won't go brick. I'll go glass. <laughs> Beautiful tune. That was like um that famous composer that does all the movies, The Avengers, Endgame, and John stuff. Williams. Oh no, yeah, that, not him. Uh, Hans Zimmer, uh, I think. Hans Zimmer. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Must have yeah. some kind of connection. You gotta hate him for it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, of course. Well, I think it's done by big, the big man, Kevin McLeod, who gives away all his music for free, so we took advantage of that offer. Uh, but anyway, before shout we get into the, Yeah, big shout out to Kevin. Um, don't want to get too into the kind of copyright uh, legalities, though, so we'll get started on this quiz. So uh, I'm going to pit you, Lockie, against you, Sergey, as per usual. Uh, I've got Let's five questions that have uh, all got some loose connection to you and your career, Sergey. Your name is your buzzer, so just go with Lockie or Sergey, and we'll start with question one. You ready to go, guys? Let's do it. Bring it on, Lockie. Oh, Lockie, you didn't say anything, but you must have frozen for me. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, question one. Uh, So, of course, Sergey, you were born in 1997, and arguably behind your birth the second biggest thing to happen in 1997 was the wiggles movie being released so uh of course uh it's the wiggles stars uh well back in the day it starred greg anthony murray and jeff so can you name me the color of each wiggle can you assign the color to each wiggle? okay easy sergey easy jeff was purple greg was yellow no sam was yellow sorry no sam was it greg or sam that's for you to decide. Yeah, okay, okay. Greg <laughs> well, was oh, no, well, just, Sam was in my list, so it's it's Greg, Anthony, Murray, and Jeff. Okay, yeah, yeah, there we go. Murray was red, Anthony was blue, Greg was yellow, uh, Jeff was purple. Absolutely correct. Good yeah, stuff. Yeah, there we go. Oh, I kind of lost track there. I forgot which order you said it in, but I'll give you the <laughs> point anyway. Uh, so, Sergey has gone 1-0 up. Uh, we'll move to question two. So, this is the closest to the pin. To be honest, question. I'm quite relieved you got that right because that whole I didn't hear that whole question. My internet froze. So, thanks. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, hopefully, we do a decent job of editing, editing this so listeners won't be able to work out that anything has gone wrong at all, even though everything has gone 
gone wrong. Uh, so anyway, question two, closest to the pin question. So of course you were born in the lovely city of Minsk in Belarus, and an anagram of Minsk, Belarus is murkiness lab. So uh, according to the Bureau of Meteor- Meteorology in their old uh, murkiness lab, on average, how many cloudy days does Melbourne experience per year? It's the closest to the pin question. So there's 365 days in a year, so 365. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, first of all, just off topic, I've got to ask, where do you get these questions from? Jesus. <laughs> oh, do I, I, I from- do some vigorous research, I've got to say. No, I, how do you go from Minsk to how many clouds there are in Australia? <laughs> like Creativity. That's what we love about the quiz here, where to begin. But uh, what of you? Uh, would you like to give one of your answers? Sergey, I'll give a, a shot in the dark. Um, I'm going to say 20,406. <laughs> 20,406 is incorrect, uh, but ah, it's closest it. to the pin. Lockies. Wait, what was the question? How many cloudy days in a year? In a year, <laughs> yep. So 20,000, there's not 20,000 days in a year. I thought it was how many clouds in a year. Oh, did you <laughs> like oh. individual clouds. I don't know how many days. Do you want to have another shot then, Sergey? No, no, it's all right. I'll give, I'll give I, I misunderstood the question. It was my fault. I'll give it to Lockie. I'll go. Very sportsman. I'm going to get, get it right anyway because the answer is 192. <laughs> The answer is not 192, so that's incorrect, but you are a lot, lot closer than <laughs> Mr. Sergei Yuvglevsky. Oh, so debatable. Both uh, <laughs> the answer was 316.4 on average, uh, cloudy days per what? year. Here what's in a, why do we what's live a, here? Why do we live here? 0.4 of a day, in all honesty. Like, what, what does that mean, 0.4 of a day? Just on average, mate. They, they average out all the years that they've ever recorded stuff, and then they get the old point four. But move to uh, question three. So uh, it's one all. Uh, Lockie's leveled up after that bit of a shambles of a Sergey answer there. But uh, <laughs> the pressure, question, the pressure got to him. Yeah, yeah. if you boys could just uh, cut that out for me, that'd be great. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, question three. So uh, you won your Commonwealth Games silver medal on the 13th of April, 2018. So something else that happened on the 13th of April, but a long, long time ago in 1741, was the Dutch people protesting the poor quality of bread. So if I want to fix up the quality of bread out there in the Netherlands, According to RecipeTinEats.com, they have a phenomenal easy bread recipe. What are the four ingredients required to make a quality loaf of bread? You can buzz in as many times as you like. Whoever gets the most. Sorry, I'm just cracking up laughing about like the lead up to this question. (laughs) Like like on this day in 1741... Yeah, some guy made some bread that no one likes. Like, where do you get these questions from? <laughs> uh, uh, big shout out to onthisday.com where I get my on this day facts from. Lucky? Uh, I'll go flour, wheat, and wheat. Flour and wheat. Uh, well, flour is one, but uh, there are three more. So you can keep buzzing in. Yeah, just wheat. Until uh, wheat is incorrect. <laughs> uh, so, okay. Okay. Um, so, okay. I'm going to chuck in water. Uh, yep, water's correct. There we go. Uh, love. Warm water, to be pretty honest. <laughs> Made with love. <laughs> love, exactly. <laughs> the fifth element. Uh, anyway, uh, there's two more. Uh, what the hell got they one Lockie, what you they can had? buzz back in if you like. I can. I don't even know what they had back then. Um, I'm going to go oh, it's not. It's not back then. It's a much more modern recipe on the internet. Ah, oh, so. right. Okay. Yeast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeast. Yeast. Yep, that's another one. Uh and Sergey, do you want to have a crack at the last mm. one? Or if, if you get this right, bread. actually, no one's going to get the point. So, bread, bread, uh, salt. Salt is absolutely correct. Uh, oh, so, yes. no one gets the point. <laughs> big, big lead up to that question, but no point awarded. Uh, bit of a disappointing, disappointing outcome there. Uh, but anyway, we'll we move to question four. It is still one all. Uh, you guys are doing pretty well, I've got to say, so far. And we'll move to question four, like I said. Don't so, you remember? Don't you remember Sergey's um, second answer? <laughs> Good point. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we don't need to, we don't need to mention that. Okay. 
Yeah, yeah, but I'm lucky I'm cutting that out, so it makes it easy for me to edit if you just don't refer to it. Uh, Let's just say uh, I can never be I can never be on Channel Nine doing being a weatherman. Let's just say that. (laughs) Question four. So. The 1st of August uh, in 2021 this year will be uh, the first day of competition in the 25-metre uh, rapid-fire pistol, rapid pistol shooting in the Olympics, of course. And it's also the 21st, the 1st of August, sorry. It's a musical artist's birthday on that day. So I'm going to read out the lyrics to one of this artist's uh, songs. It's a famous song. Uh, you can buzz in whenever you'd like, uh, but once you buzz in, and get it wrong, you're gone. So just buzz in whenever you like. I'm going to start reading the lyrics. And you just got to name me the artist. You don't have to name me the song. I think I'll do all right at this. Let's do it. Okay. As I walk through the valley of the shadow of Sergei. death. Sergei. Sergei. <laughs> that's, that's, that's Coolio. Coolio Paradise. is absolutely correct. Very good stuff. I knew that one would be snapped up nice and early. Uh, but Sergey's taken the lead. He's gone 2-1 up with one question remaining. But despite there being just one question remaining, Lockie is still within in with a shot because as both of you guys know, Sergey, having listened to the podcast before, which we love, uh, the final question is a who am I question. So I'm going to go down from five points all the way down to one point with a series of clues all of course, leading to who I am. And once you buzz in and get it wrong, can't buzz in again until the other person gets it wrong. So we'll start with a five-point clue. Ready to go, guys? I'm, I'm pumped. I'm still trying to work out who Coolio was, but I'm, I'm, I'm in. Don't you know, know who Coolio Coo- was, Lockie. No. Coolio, Gangster Paradise. Nah, I honestly oh, don't know. mate. Wow. Get your One Spotify of the most iconic songs of all time. Uh, he's turning 58 this year, the great man Coolio, and oh, yeah, geez, definitely got to play it. Yeah, he, he, Mate, that so, was a well, huge song back in the day. Mate, How do you not yeah, know no, it? I'm, I'm funny. Oh, no, no, I, I, I don't know. I'm very much, I like to think forward. I, I really, I just like the more current <laughs> stuff, I guess. I listen to like newer music. So there you go. Okay, no, fair, 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 fair. Fair enough. Uh, anyway, five point clue after a bit of a tangent there. Uh, for five points, <laughs> I was born on the 15th of August, 1769. <laughs> Coolio's an old guy, but I can... Yeah, he's not that not old, yeah. <laughs> um, nah, we'll I, move, got nothing, I got nothing on that one. We'll move to the four-point clue. So, born on the island of Corsica to my mother Letizia and my father Carlo, my modest family descended from minor Italian nobility. Three-point clue? Oh, nothing from me. 1769. Okay, wait, was it seven? Wait, was it 1769 or 1969? 1769. Um, so this guy's long gone. Yeah. Uh, definitely not. Uh, <laughs> still, still among us. Anyway, for the three point clue, uh, in April 1796, I began my first military campaign against the Austrians and their Italian allies, scoring a series of decisive victories and becoming a national hero. I'll move it on to the two-point clue. Yeah. Get it here to take the win outright, unless we want to go to a tiebreaker. So for two points, on the 15th of – sorry, not the 15th of August, the 15th of October – 1815, which is your birthday, I believe, Sergey. Only a couple uh, days I after mine. Happy birthday for that day. <laughs> Are you October 15th as well? Nah, 12th on the 12th. Ah, 12th, okay. couple days. <laughs> we love that time of year. Lots of birthdays going around. But anyway, on the 15th of August, 1815, I arrived on the island of St. Helena to begin my exile. I died there six years later. Oh, I had a mate there at that time. Well, I'm not sure if he was around. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. What, what was his descent? <laughs> uh... My modest family descended from minor Italian nobility for the four-point clue. Okay, St. Helena, I'm just going to go Napoleon Bonaparte. He was in the early 1800s. Napoleon Bonaparte, for the win, we'll get a bit of a drum roll going. Is absolutely correct. Ah, damn it. Oh, he's nailed it. Very, very good stuff. And my, uh, there we go. (laughs) Took a while to play. The congratulations music. Very good stuff. Oh, well done, well done. Gee whiz, that was a big one. Should have known. Should have known. I went to school win. with that guy. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Famous Frenchman, of course. I, I wasn't 100% sure if one of you two was going to get that. We don't often do historical figures for the Who Am I, but uh, glad to see that Lockie got it. Taken out uh, yet another win. So good stuff, Lockie. Well done. Well done. Uh, 
It's all right. It's, and if Nike are listening, I, I can also come up with great catchphrases. <laughs> so just saying. <laughs> uh, anyway, just before you, we let you go, Sergey, uh, we have a little um, tradition that we're doing um, on our social media pages, which is at WDWB pod on Instagram, where we get the guest to nominate a song of the week. We'll put it up on our Instagram. So don't tell us what the song of the week is, but you're all good to let us know off air and then we'll chuck it up there. Yes, 100%. I'll definitely give you a song. I actually wanted to message you boys about this after I listened to the Russell Mark episode. Um, oh. If I can put in a song, because we've got some boys. Um, wait, can I put in hip hop or no? Yeah. You guys are. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, on the Instagram story, 100%. We just can't play it because of kind of copyright stuff, you know? But um, <laughs> Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> we'll, we'll chuck it on the Instagram story so people can check that out at WDWBpod. You can also check out our Buy Me a Coffee page, which is buymeacoffee.com forward slash where do we begin. But before we let Sergey go, Lockie, you got anything else for him, Matt? Oh, I just wanted to thank you so much. It was an absolute pleasure coming on and it was an absolute pleasure scoring another win in the quiz. Ah, oh, mate, all right. I know you want to bring up the quiz. All right, you know what? Next time, next time I'll do some training. Yeah. I get my I get my uh, buzzer voice prepared. You know, I'll, I'm just gonna say I went in with a cold throat. Should have had a tea before this. You know, I'm gonna blame that. It's all it's all in the mindset, just like the lovely sport of shooting. But uh, I'd like to thank you very much again, Sergey, for coming on. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much, boys. Really appreciate it. Anytime. How good was that, Harps? I tell you what, I reckon Sergey might be putting us out of business. He's got his podcasting uh, accreditation. He is sounds awesome. He he knows how to speak, and that was an absolutely awesome app. Yeah, this could be my last ever outro, to be honest. He could be replacing me, but it was really, really good. I hope the listeners enjoyed it as much as both of us did, and yeah, it was a, it was a great one. But, Lockie, do you want to give a plick, quick plick, a plick quag to a few of our socials? Yeah, I'll give a quick. I'll give a quick plug. Um, <laughs> yeah, so you can find us at uh, Facebook at Where Do We Begin, and you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at WDWB Pod. Yeah, and YouTube, of course, as well. Some video content up there, of course, which is what YouTube is at Where Do We Begin on YouTube. Check out Sergey's Song of the Week on our Instagram at WDWB Pod. Some of our listeners have really been getting behind that, so I encourage you to check that out. And of course, not taking any grubby, grubby sponsor money in this Olympic series. So if you are enjoying this series or this episode or just us as blokes because oh, I'm quite enjoying us as blokes we're, we're bloody good podcasters if I do say so myself you can uh, buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash where do we begin we'd really really appreciate it um, just any spare change you've got hanging around of course we understand if you can't we'd also appreciate a five star review just a recommendation whatever you can you know what to do to support the show uh, be, we'd love it if you could go out there and do it great unbiased plug there by yourself Harper I love it and of course I'd just like to thank Sergey again for jumping on and of course our listeners our very loyal and lovely listeners uh, thanks so much for sticking around and we'll have another great episode as part of our Olympic series next week yeah it will be really really good see you next week guys It'll be awesome see ya <laughs>